Okay, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So we started the show today talking about the B.C. forest sector going through difficult times. We had those 300 layoffs in Prince George, Canfor shutting that pulp mill down. David Eby on the ground there in Prince George yesterday brought some money with him, but, mm. I mean, it was $90 million over three years. So Yeah, I... I labeled it chump change on Twitter last night. It's mm. uh, it's not a, it's not a big it, over three years. I mean, right. you know, the government's budget is seventy billion dollars a year, and yeah. they're sitting on a huge surplus. Uh, so it's not a lot of money for for a capital intensive industry. Ninety million dollars doesn't take you a long way. So uh, and it's not really so much about saving the forest industry. As it sounds like a lot of it was like transitioning to other stuff. Again, too. very vague, yeah. and some of the. Uh, Hallmark uh, aspect of this government right now is not a lot of details yeah. in a lot of these announcements. There's yeah. not a lot of backup info yeah. or background info. Uh, and again, w- uh, that was one of the criticisms yesterday. There's not a lot of detail on exactly how this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot. You're right. I mean, we're seeing a lot of sort of headline-grabbing announcements, but then you start asking questions. Well, what are their deliverables on this? What yeah. are the timelines? What, what, are, the, what are the timelines? What are, yeah. the, what are the benchmark expectations? Right. Um, not much there. And it was the same last week with the $500 million rental protection fund. Not a lot of details in this. So there's not a lot of fine print associated with these announcements. This industry is really, really in difficult circumstances right now. And it's not just Prince George. I mean, there's been lots of other mills that have shut down in other towns. Yeah, no, we've lost, I think, more than 35 mills in the last 15 years or so. Yeah. Uh, one estimate is 45,000 jobs have disappeared in 20 years in this sector. When you know, uh, years ago, I mean, Forrest, I used to work in a mill. I've said this many times. Um, that was a big teenage job. If you were able to get a, mi- a mill job, you had it made. You could was, have a job for life. Yeah. It used to be. And uh, I've had family members who've been working in mills, some, some of them on their third mill because mills keep closing. They've had to bounce, and then they lose their seniority. Yeah. You know, you build up 20 years seniority at a mill, and it's gone, and you move to another mill, and you start at the bottom again, and you, you got the graveyard shift when you're, you know, 55 years old. I spoke to the mayor of Barrier, B.C. this morning. It's a forest-dependent community. They've had job losses there. They want more help. I spoke to the liberal forest critic, Mike Bernier, this morning, very critical of this announcement yesterday, mm-hmm. and he, he says the industry needs more help. He suggested cutting taxes cutting stumpage fees. Well, then you, get, then you get into a U.S. Uh, fight with U.S. Softwood. Well, let's, start let, with that. let's listen to what David Eby said about that yesterday, this idea. Well, why not help the industry by cutting taxes? Here's what he said. Looking at the actions of past governments, we know it doesn't work. Uh, just cutting uh, taxes for profitable corporations and hoping that things trickle down. Uh, that's an old model, and we know it wasn't successful. Instead, we're using government investment to help diversify and make more resilient local economies. Well, 90 million bucks I don't think is going to do much across the province over three years. No, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact. And these companies, they're making money. They're not making money in B.C. Mm. You know, Canfor's got a very profitable mill, just to name one, in Sweden. Very high-tech, very low low labor costs because there's so much high-tech in the mill. Uh, these companies are buying mills in the states. Uh, they're operating them elsewhere in Canada, but BC because there's a lack of fiber supply uh, for a number of reasons: the the pine beetle infestation, the wildfires, record season, just um, destroying so much stands of timber over years, and it's at a critical juncture with uh, and these old these old growth deferrals too. It's going the old growth deferrals, aging mills. Yeah. Um, 
uh, in a, a high labor force. Uh, there's the cost of doing business in, in forestry in BC is higher than a lot of other places. It's a bleak picture. And then you take a look at that annual allowable cut and the scheduled reductions going forward. It's going to get worse. It's going it down is. for a decade. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. The supply is going to diminish. EB has talked about doing more with less, doing getting more production out of some of the waste wood out there. But again, I'm not sure, uh, not a lot of details associated with that, actually how that's going to get done. Okay, be more pressure on government here to step in and do something about that. And I'm, I'm glad we're talking about it and, and bringing some more coverage on it, because I think it's it's something maybe people in, in Metro Vancouver, the lower mainland, maybe forget about yeah. or don't see. You don't see a mill every day when you yeah. drive around Metro Vancouver, but you know you live in Quesnel, Prince George, yeah. Barrier. Uh, the mill's part of your economic lifeline. Okay, let's talk about another big story. And you covered this last night in the Global News Hour. This is big, this LNG Canada announcement. So this is an LNG mega project, liquefied natural gas. The plan for the second phase of this project was it was going to be electric, right? These turbines wow. are going to be electric powered. That was the plan. That was sort of the plan. And, and that's why the government is saying, well, that's fine for climate change. Great. This will be an electric powered uh, plant. And no, now they're saying what? Well, so the CEO of, uh, of LNG Canada, this is a massive project in Kitimat, biggest private sector investment in BC history, uh, told Reuters news agency this week that uh, they plan to do their second phase or their second train, as it's called, uh, that will be fueled by um, natural gas turbines, which will add to not only add to emissions of greenhouse gas emissions, but will basically render useless the government's targets for emission reduction. We asked EB about that yesterday. He was vague in his answer, saying, well, they haven't made a final investment decision. Well, let's listen to what he had to say. So here is Premier David EB yesterday and this this big LNG project saying, well, we're going to power the second project. We're going to burn natural gas to power it. Here's what he had to say. My understanding, though, is that LNG Canada Phase 2 has not yet reached a final investment decision. Uh, so we'll continue to, uh, uh, to work with the proponent to make sure that we're hitting our emissions targets. Those emissions targets are key uh, to our government and a priority of all of ours. Yeah, so this, is a, this has been the elephant in the room for some time. I've written a piece on this. Others, Justine Hunter, Von Palmer, we've all covered this, that it's just left hanging in the air. How do you square this circle? You've got government support for LNG Canada project. They've gone through the environmental process. They've got permits. They've got full approval for this. But now they're saying they can't, there's no, there's no electricity available to them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hydro would have to build a huge transmission line to get to them, and that's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of money. But they say, well, we're going to start building our second phase with full approval uh, using natural gas turbines. How does the government allow that at the same time as insisting they can reach their emission target reduction goals? And EB did not answer that question yesterday. I mean, this is a government that has rolled out the red carpet for this industry, given them a lot of tax breaks, by the way. Mm -hmm. When EB was saying yes, yesterday, we don't want to do trickle-down tax cuts for forestry. You gave a lot of big tax cuts to the LNG industry. Mm -hmm. You rolled the red carpet out for them. Anyway, now now they're talking about changing the the terms. Of, you know the how this thing is going to be built. What are they going to do about this now? I don't know. I've been trying to get an answer from the government for some time, as a, as other reporters have, and they really haven't supplied. Maybe there is no answer. I mean, the answer is either hydro builds a transmission line and does it quickly to yeah. allow them access to electric power, uh, presumably from Site C. Uh, or they disallow this uh, expansion, or they basically throw in the towel and say, you're right, 
you know, we need this industry and our targets are not attainable. And like, no governments hit their targets. No. These targets keep getting set. Uh, everybody pats themselves on the back and then everyone misses the target. Right. Uh, and there's no, no analysis I've seen of anyone being able to hit their targets in terms of greenhouse gas reduction anytime soon. And now uh, you'll have a battle with the environmental movement calling for this thing to be canceled. Now. All environmental groups yesterday were yeah. issuing news releases yeah. saying this is, this shows this has to be done. You know, it, it, uh, if they build this with natural gas turbines, you cannot meet the targets. Therefore, this cannot, Proceed. So the government's in a real pickle on this thing, and I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure what the solution is. I'm not sure which way it's going. It could very well end up in court because LNG Canada has the regulatory approval to do this. If the government were to suddenly turn around and say, "No, you can't do it anymore," they've made investments based on government-sanctioned regulatory approvals. And if the government were to turn around and deny them the ability to do this, uh, I think they'd have a pretty strong court case. Okay, real quickly, the Blueberry River First Nations. What's happening there? There's an announcement coming. Well, there's an announcement with uh, uh, Premier David Eby today and Prince George with the Blueberry First Nations chief in attendance. I have to assume, if you go back, Blueberry River uh, First Nations won a historic court battle a couple years ago in which a V.C. Supreme Court uh, ruled that their Treaty 8 rights had been violated over through years of industrial development on their land. And so, and David Eby was the attorney general at the time. He decided not to appeal that judgment under some uh, criticism saying, well, this is a precedent. You, you know, if you don't appeal this, this sets a precedent for a lot of other situations. But he decided, the government decided not to appeal this. I think with recognition that, you know, uh, we've moved to a new phase here of First Nations rights. You just can't appeal their wins. And so they reached an, an interim agreement a couple years ago, $65 million for Blueberry First Nation. But that was an interim agreement. So I assume today's announcement, I have no details. We're going to get them at noon, um, but it's going to be an afternoon announcement, is of further either more details about that interim agreement or a final agreement in terms of uh, compensation for Blueberry First Nation. All right, Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here, and we'll speak to Dave in Fanny Bay. Hi, Dave. Hey, guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I haven't heard much about Site C except, uh, you know, from from people commenting about it, but I'm just wondering if there's any update, because it seems like no news in this case is not good news. Um, We're, you know, there's lots of uh, issues up there, isn't there? Well, no, Site C's continue to be built. They put out a information bulletin every Friday. You can subscribe to it on email. Um, they provide pictures of progress of the, the dam's construction. There's a lot of work up there, a lot of people working um, almost around the clock to build this thing. So it, it's not in the news other than the fact that occasionally pointing out that there's a huge budget overrun associated with that dam. But, uh, no, the dam's continuing the pace. More 70% complete? Yeah, and then, to the one, one again, every Friday there's an update. They put drone footage out, um, all sorts of info. It just becomes sort of uh, plane landing safely, uh, so that it doesn't make the news all the time. Let's go to Dev in Vancouver. Hi, Dev, go ahead. Hi. Hello, uh, January 2017, Vancouver Sun. Steelworkers Union local president Manjeet said, Sidhu, and I quote, the steelworkers have John Horgan's back because Horgan has the steelworkers and the BC forest industry's back. Boy, maybe he meant knife in the back. Um, I would like you to have Glenn Clark on. Now, he's not NDP. He's not liberal. He's a businessman. 
why don't you ask him what the issues in the forestry industry are? Then we can cut through the baffle gab and we will discover it's this government's taxation policies and their uh, uh, fantasy versus reality policies on the annual allowable cut. Then maybe we'll get through the truth because this industry is dying because the NDP mm. was more than happy to take steelworkers union money and now they've completely betrayed them. Okay, thank you for that call. Yeah, so I've talked to Glenn Clark, who's on the board of Canfor, um, just uh, recently resigned from the Jimmy Patterson group, um, and he's quite blunt in his assessment of the forest industry, and he says a big problem, I mean, there's a number of problems, but one of the big problems is a lack of fiber supply. There's just yeah. not enough trees and not enough product to mill, uh, and, and you know, there's high labor costs, there is taxation, stumpage is an issue. But I'm mindful, again, of uh, triggering a trade war with the United States. Once you start monkeying with that type of thing, you can, you know, cut off your nose to spite although, your face. Although the industry will say there is room to reduce that, that stump, those stumpage charges, which are the fee that the government collects on cutting trees down on crown land, that you could reduce that because it's based on market conditions. I mean, the mayor of Barrier, when I spoke to him this yeah. morning, made the argument that they're, they're missing an opportunity to do that without triggering it. But other forest executives are also tell me they're also mindful that once you start once you start monkeying with that, yeah. the aggressive hawks in the states yeah. seize upon that as as the government intervention into the market to help. And they slap the and they slap tariffs on and they, and they say that's an unfair subsidy. So it's uh, this is an ongoing fight. Um, so I'm not sure taxation and stumpage is necessarily the, the number one issue. I think it's going to be lack of fi- fiber supply. Chris in Squamish. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Um, I'd like to go back a few years and uh, Kevin Falcon's uh, hero, uh, Gordon Campbell, uh, used to, I'm pretty sure there used to be a, a law that any tree farm license, you had to have a sawmill or mm-hmm. some secondary use of, uh, of the timber. Uh, and uh, so these companies now have done away with that. They haven't modernized any of their mills for reasons, you know, you don't need to. You can sell your logs overseas or to uh, to somebody else for more money. Yeah, so you're referring to there was a, a, a law or a regulation. I think it was called Aperture. Apertancy. Yeah, um, where yeah. your tree farm license was tied to a mill operation. Right. right. And the liberals got a, did away with that. Yeah. Uh, saying it was unfair to companies, unrealistic expectation to require you to mill your your timber in your tree farm license stand at a local operation. Yeah. So that was done away with a number of years ago. I don't think that's coming back. Uh, and the export of logs has always been a, a hot political issue. The NDP has not banned the export of logs. It's reduced the export of logs, but they're still being exported. Let's uh, go to Mary on Vancouver Island. Mary, you've got 30 seconds here. I find David Eby's style very adversarial, and I don't know how helpful it is. I'd like to bring Dad back. But anyways, um, so you look at everything. Um, The lawyers reference ICBC, the uh, investment firms reference rental income, rental housing, um, and now profitable companies. The same people that he wants to invest in greener initiatives, by the way. And, and I just don't like that style. I'm just getting tired of it. It reminds me too much of American politics. I wish he'd stop that. And just uh, would he would he just change his style, please? Thank you, Mary. Yeah, I don't. That's an interesting comment. I'm not. Uh, I don't see. I don't find him so much as adversarial, adversarial yeah. as vague, as you yes. said earlier. Yeah, as we touched on earlier, a lack of details is the more troubling aspect.